Welcome back to 31 for 31, where I'm releasing 31 songs for my 31st birthday and sharing the stories behind them. I've taken a bit of an unintended break from these episodes, but I'm back and should have enough time to release the rest of them before I'm 32, which was the original goal. And I still have some of the best stories and best songs that I've yet to share with you, so you don't want to miss them. So let's keep going. Here's more of 31 for 31. It was really early in the morning, about the time when there's that blue glow in the room before the sun comes up. I was waking up in my apartment in Spain having just moved there to start the discipleship school, and I was still settling in. I got out of my bunk bed, went over to my roommate Thomas, shook him a bit until he woke up and gently whispered in his ear, Follow me, I want to show you something. I just recently saw Thomas not that long ago, and he reminded me how weird of a situation this was for him. We didn't know each other that well at the time, and it was way too early in the morning to have a coherent conversation, but nevertheless, he rolled out of bed and followed me as I walked down the hall past the kitchen and up the small stairwell to our rooftop. We both sat on the roof ledge, trying not to slip off or break a towel, and we waited. From this view straight ahead, you could see the Mediterranean Sea, even all the way to Morocco if it was a clear day. And to the left, due east, there was a big mountain that overshadowed our little village with large antennas on the top. When the orange glow of the sun got strong enough, I stood up and started to slowly clap. Thomas joined in, and we both sped up until the sun was completely above the mountain, and our little town of Mijas was awake. I don't remember how many times we slow clapped the sun up, but it was a lot. I mean, I really can't think of a better way to start the day than praising God for the sun to come up. Oftentimes, I'd bring my guitar up on the roof and worship as the sun came up. For some reason, Mijas was a tourist destination for busloads of Korean and Japanese tours. Once the buses arrived, they would flood the streets and pass by our house first. Many times they would spot me on the roof playing guitar and motion for their friends to come back as they pulled out their huge cameras and took photos of what they probably thought was a genuine Spanish guitarist in his natural element. Sometimes I would just ignore them, and other times I'd throw up a double piece sign which they absolutely loved. One morning on that roof, I wrote this song as I was meditating on Psalm 143. I love this song because it's one of those times I wrote it all in one morning, and it's just simple scripture. Your love will surely come, it rises like the sun shines on my face every day. Your love will surely come, it rises like the sun on my face. Surely come, it rises like the sun shines on my face every day. Love will surely come, it rises like the sun on my face. I'll be here in the morning of your steadfast love. For in you I trust. To you I lift my soul And be here In the morning of your steadfast love 
you I trust, to you I lift my soul. Love will surely come, it rises like the sun, shines on my face every day. Love will surely come, it rises like the sun on my face. Love will surely come, rises like the sun, shines on my face every day. Love will surely come, it rises like the sun on my face. I didn't particularly love waking up early in the mornings, but I came to love getting time with God before the world woke up. I've mentioned it before, but there's just something special about worshiping God in the early hours. Even though people around the world are up at all different times, there's something special about being up before the sun that makes it feel like God's attention is all on you. I started doing this so much that I actually did a video series called The Sunrise Sessions. It's still available on Vimeo, along with every other obscure and stupid video I decided to post publicly. My favorite video of the epic two video series was one that I recorded as the sun came up on a lake somewhere in Sweden. I had driven my big green van up there from Spain, and I woke up one morning before the rest of the team. At this time in life, the realization was slowly closing in that the missionary life I was living was becoming less of a season and more of a life calling. Deep down, I think this really scared me because it meant my life would continue to be filled with weird ventures and I'd continue to end up in places thinking, how did I get here? Not only how did I get here, but how did I convince a team to come with me? It's one thing to do crazy things by yourself, but there's a real weight when others are following you. I think this song was an attempt to articulate this realization and all the emotions, good and bad, that came with it. I know the name of the lake and the city, but I honestly can't pronounce it, and I'm definitely not going to try. But here, I'll spell it out for you just in case you want to go Google it. It's L-J-U-N-G-S-K-I-L-E. In fact, you should go and Google it, and then from there move your finger to the right a bit and look up and down the west coast of Sweden. And then imagine me and the team that I once again convinced to come with me, taking a small sailboat to all those tiny islands in an effort to dig up the wells of revival that once blazed through the Swedish coast. Do I sail? No. Did I know anything about the revival history of Sweden? No. Do I know how to sail now? Not really. Do I know anything about the revival history of those Swedish islands? Well, I do remember this one island that we visited called Astol. The story in this village goes that at one time sailors from different ships saw that this island was on fire. 
They sailed towards it to check it out, but when they got closer, they realized it was actually the Holy Spirit, and many of their lives were radically changed. They stopped using all their money for drinking and started supporting their families again. Other than that incredible story, I don't remember as much as you'd expect, even though it was great. The whole sailing trip would be a year later, but it was this kind of moment, singing beside the lake, where present obedience seemed really insignificant. But all the while God is plotting out something much greater, because you say a simple yes to go somewhere. In hindsight, this song was one of my many yeses. I don't think I knew the extent of it when I wrote it, but many times the words I remember singing to God in public or private have a tendency to bury themselves deeper in the foundations I stand on than I think. And they usually come back around to remind me of it years later. This is one of those songs, and it's particularly the last line in the song that still gets me every time I sing it. It articulates such a humbling mixture of how important you are to God, yet at the same time, He'll get His glory whether I give it to Him or not. I'll wake up to the heartbeat Inside my chest And it's your life that sustains the rhythm As days fly past Well, the clock has its hold But not as tight as your love You've been thinking of me Before time was a thought And I will praise you For all of my days And I will praise you For all of my days And I will praise you For all of my days My feet don't always go I want them to But your grace fills in my footprints As I run to you You don't see me as broken I'm as good as complete Counting on you to finish What you started in me And I will praise you For all of my days And I will praise you For all of my days And I will praise you For all of my days Keeps getting better than before 
jealous heart Calling me out and pulling me in Face to face Just like a man talks to his friend I will praise you for all of my days And I will praise you for all of my days And I will praise you for all of my days When it's all said and done The most beautiful thing Is that the rocks will still praise you if I choose not to sing I think it's an interesting question to ask if someone knows God. And sometimes even more of an interesting question to ask if someone has a relationship with God. Not because it's a bad question, but because if they answer yes, the question that actually matters is what kind of a God do they know? Or even which part of God do they have a relationship with? When I was growing up, in my backyard I had a tree fort. I would usually go up there just to play by myself because I was an only child, and when you're an only child you get really good at playing by yourself. Occasionally I would gather those spiky balls from the sweet gum tree and throw them at my neighbor's kids. But on one probably rare occasion when I was eight years old, I was sitting up there reading my Bible. I don't know exactly what happened or even what verse I was reading, but I remember some moment of clarity where I felt I needed to get baptized. I climbed down, knocked on the back door, and told my parents how I felt. Not only that, but within the next couple days, I had the idea to invite my best friend Greg over and to bring him up to the tree fort thinking that if he was in the same place as me, reading the Bible, and maybe he'd want to get baptized as well. Not sure if it was some little treehouse open heaven, but it worked. And by the next Monday night, we were both at church ready to get into the baptistry. I'm sure that as my dad was dunking me underwater, the classic, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, was being spoken. In that moment, if you would have asked me who the Father was, I probably would have said, God. And if you asked me who the Son was, I would have said, Jesus. And then if you asked me who the Holy Spirit was, I probably would have just said, the other part of God? At that point in time, all I knew was that I wanted to follow Jesus, and Jesus said to be baptized, so that's what I was doing. Looking back, I really appreciate the simple obedience that I had. In fact, sometimes I wish I still kept things that simple. I went to a church at a different denomination in college and served for some of their churches. A couple of them, after hearing my conversion story, tried to convince me to be baptized again in their church, now that I had a better understanding of salvation theologically. But I just couldn't do it. Something wouldn't let me get baptized again because I knew something profound happened that first time when I was young, even if I couldn't explain it. I don't think that you follow God because you know everything about Him and make an educated decision. I think you follow Him because there's something in you that says, I have to give everything to this God. 
Then we spend the rest of our lives coming into a greater understanding of what that something is. When I was in university, I was pretty prideful about how much I knew about God. I was majoring in religious studies, and I was also into a lot of different theologies like Calvinism. I probably had more conversations with other Christians debating that than I did just talking about the gospel. Thinking back, it's a bit embarrassing, but now I can see I was just walking at the time where I knew to walk into a deeper understanding of relationship with Jesus. When I took some time off college to do mission work in Africa, it was through a denomination that was pretty conservative. During one of our first weeks, for some reason, my team decided to go to a different church, and we discovered that this church spoke in tongues. My first thought was, well, here's those weird Christians I've heard about. The next day, I asked the missionary we were serving what this was all about. I expected him to give some argument about why speaking in tongues was wrong, but instead he sat down and said, well, I signed a document saying I wouldn't teach this, but honestly, one time I was praying for someone and realized in the middle I was speaking in a different language I couldn't understand. It only happened one time, but it's part of the Holy Spirit and I can't explain it. He followed up by confessing that he also signed an agreement saying he wouldn't drink alcohol, but said that he sometimes cooked with alcohol because he agreed not to drink it, not not to eat it. That man's willingness to not let denominational walls get in the way of relationships really shaped how I saw missions from that point on. This was a time where I was learning about the Holy Spirit. During my time in London that I spoke about in previous episodes, I realized that many of the songs I was singing prophetically were the voice of the Father God singing over His children. Much of my time in Spain was spent walking deeper into relationship with Jesus as a brother. The point is, we mature in knowing different persons of God through different seasons of our life. On this particular season of mornings, I felt to write a doxology, in principle like that hymn I always grew up singing, you know, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Yet yeah, that one. But instead to write a personal one. One that shared who God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit was to me. Father God, your name is love, you're so faithful. stars come out and they disappear when the sun comes up the world spun around while I was asleep but you were there watching over me You're not restrained to my consciousness Not contained by the knowledge in my head Straight to my heart Jesus Christ Closest friend you paved the way All the highs 
around here just like one of us To demonstrate the Father's love Defeated death rising from the grave Everything you gave you freely gave Gave to me Rushing wind and still small voice Comforter Your presence is my greatest choice Come fill us with your ancient power While the church prepares like a bridal shower Reveal to me deep mysteries As your kingdom comes, heaven touches me I'm touching earth What's in store?